Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. I just want to especially just honour your location pastors, Pastor Tim and Wendy, uh, for what they do and the whole leadership team. Um, I was out here on Thursday morning, Tim and I spent some time together, went to Marketplace and I... Uh, God, it, I just get goosebumps to see the impact that you as a church have back when your local community, hearing your stories of Friday night, Saturday morning with the guys. Uh, look, God's on the move, hey. God's doing something great. We can look around us and think, oh gosh, this whole world is perishing, you know, and the world may be perishing, but Jesus is alive and he's come to those that are perishing. And so this morning, I want to preach a, a message to, his, to you as we close out this faith, love, hope season. The title of this, if you need a title, is The Battle Is Not Ours. Time and time again, God said to his people, you're not going to have to fight this battle, the battle's mine. And so you just need to stay in a place of faith, a place of confidence, a place of trusting in me. And you just got to take your, you got to stand firm. You got to hold your position. You got to hold the line at certain points of time. But the battle is not yours. Although you and I are in the midst of battles each and every day, whether it's individually, as a family, as a community of faith, is there, there is a war that is raging on around about us. But God says time and time again, the battle's not yours is that God is not intimidated by any army, is that no situation is too hopeless. It may seem like you are outnumbered on every side, but I found when you and I are with God and God is with us, is that He and I are the majority on every occasion. I see it all the way throughout the Word of God. If it was just one teenage boy that would bring down a giant, God's not afraid by your opposition. A Gideon with 300 men starts off with 30,000, whittled down to 300 against the army of 135,000. The odds are stacked against Gideon and the 300, but we know the end of the story. The battle's not ours, it's God. Would you and I put our trust and confidence in God? Abraham and 318 men, they can go out and slay a great giant. A man by the name of Shammah could stand in a field of lentils. Who would ever defend a lentil? Uh, that, that even vegetarians don't eat lentils, I don't think. Like, but he stands in the middle of a lentil field after all of his mates have gone and he fights a great battle. It doesn't matter the opposition. It doesn't matter the width or the breadth of the Red Sea or a Jordan River. Whatever the opposition is, God's saying to you this morning, the battle's not yours, the battle is mine. E- Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30 says this, by faith, everyone say faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. An incredible miracle. We're going to dive into Joshua chapter 6 and look at this great miracle. But it was by faith the Israelites walked. There's a place of action. For seven days and the walls came down. There's a God response. Would you and I allow a faith to rise up inside of us that faith ends up into you and I taking some action and then seeing what God is going to do. And so we're going like, to read like the whole book of Joshua chapter 6. Are you ready? This is not your Bible reading program for the week, all right? We ticked off one book. Here we go. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. And no one came in. 
Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Would you do this for six days? Have the seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And so Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until I tell you to shout and then shout. And so, had the, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. And so on the second day they marched around the city once and they returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you'll make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and they must go into his treasury. And so when the trumpet sounded and the army shouted, that the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. What? What a story. What a story of deliverance here. And I love the pattern that God gives to Joshua here in these 20 verses. There is a pattern that we find throughout the Word of God that God gives not just to leaders of the past, but He gives you and I this same pattern. It's a pattern that was given to Joshua. It's a pattern that was given to Moses, to Gideon, to every great leader. But it's a pattern that's given to you and I as well. And this morning, I want you to see this pattern and to grab a hold of it. And it looks like this, is that God gives Joshua an undeniable commission. I want you to take and lead this army into battle to see a great victory come to pass, is that God has given to each and every one of us an undeniable commission. The commission is to go into all the world. <laughs> all the world. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He's commissioned all of us to lay hands on the sick and see them made whole and well. Is that you have an undeniable commission of God. 
The second thing God tells here in this story uh, to Joshua is I'm going to tell you the remarkable results in advance. If you execute what I've just asked you to execute, is you are going to see the walls of this most fortified city come crashing down. Is that you and I are given the remarkable results in advance. Is that we are the head and not the tail. We are more than conquerors. If you read the end of the book, is that Jesus, he, he's a wins. We, we win. Is that we are given the remarkable results in advance. And thirdly, is that we are promised this unrivaled partnership with God is that He is Emmanuel. He, he is God who is with us. We have been declared as temples of the Holy Spirit. Is that You have God living inside of you today. And I'm not trying to boil God down to a process or to a formula, but He's given to each and every one of us this ability to go out on mission, to see the great results in advance, and to know that we are not alone, that God is actually with us. So the background to this story is that this city of Jericho, they have never been defeated. They may have been challenged, but they are like the undisputed champions of the world. They have never, ever lost a battle. The walls have never been breached at all. And then also we have this new generation of Israelites uh, that have been in the desert for a period of time. And this generation has never, ever fought a physical battle. They've never been a place of war is that they have faced obstacles, but they have never faced opposition. And I found in life is that you and I, no matter how old or young we are, is there are times in life where we face both obstacles and also opposition. But no matter what you and I face, is that we have a God who is with us. And so this generation, some of them may have been infants, and they think back to the story in Numbers 13 when Moses sent the spies into the promised land to spy out the land. Twelve spies went in. It says two came back with a good report saying it's exactly what God said it was going to be. Ten came back saying, yeah, yeah, it's exactly what God has said it would be. But it's a land that's full of giants. There's fortified cities in that war. We, we can never win in that place. And it says this in Numbers 13. And then they told him, and it was Moses and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Is, is that they saw exactly what God had said was going to be in that land. It was land that flowed with great promise. The, the size of its fruit was in greater abundance. But nevertheless, it says, the people who dwell in the land, they are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants. We saw giants in that land. And I said this, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. The generation that is now at the base of the walls of this great fortified city, that they have been raised on the memory that just over 40 years ago, their mums and dads fled in fear. That their dads did not want to go into a place of battle into a place of warfare. And 40 plus years is that now they are standing at the base of those walls that the previous generation ran away from saying, no, no, well, we can't go up against them. It doesn't matter what the promises of God look like and the promises are so true, is that we can't go up against them. And so we have a new generation that has never fought before 
that are now standing at the, looking at these impenetrable walls, wondering how on earth are we going to build it, win this battle? How on earth are we even going to have the courage to fight? I found it in God and his kingdom is that the opposition to God is never the problem. The problem to God is always the hearts of his people. It's not an opposition problem. It's the hearts of his sons and daughters as to whether you and I are going to align ourselves with the word of God, as you and I are going to walk in a place of obedience, as whether you and I are just going to grab onto God, not knowing what the outcome is going to look like. And we're saying, God, would you lead us? Would you fight on our behalf? Because I'm just designed to stand my grounds, to be in a place of faith and confidence, of trusting in an almighty God, that the problem is never the opposition. The problem is never the obstacle we find ourselves in. It's always the condition of the human heart. And I know over years, and over you know, 30 years of preaching, I, I have preached on this passage, and this passage has always been about a shout. I think every preacher's got a shout message. Pastor Dave, you would have shout messages. That if we just shout, Walls are going to come down. That we've just got to get our shout on. And God's going to do impossible, mighty things. But I found in this passage, it's so much more than just the shouts. But as Pentecostals, we just, if we can just shout this, if we can just get a louder voice than the opposition, is that everything's going to work out fine. No, 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 no. It's not about the shout. If it was about the shout, they wouldn't have to walk around these walls 13 times and shout. My God, if it's about to shout, let's just do it once. And let's lift up a shout. Let's move this thing forward. Let's move it at our pace. But the, we've got to learn how to shout as well. We've got to find our voice. But here in this story as well, it's, it is about the shout, but it's not all about the shout. And the times where we find, if we find ourselves in opposition, there's times where we're going to have to shout but God says, no, there's so much more to this story. There's so much more to my battle tactics that I have for you. And I think in the times in which we live, when we dive a little bit deeper into this story, because God's got a battle tactic for you and I. Yeah. And when we find ourselves in times of opposition, of obstacles against us, we can't get through this, we can't get this over this. God say, hey, no, we just take a hold of, of my tactic in battle. And so let me share some of these with you. The first thought I have, is it out of this story that there is power in your presence? There is a power by you simply just showing up day after day after day. Showing up when it doesn't even look like God's doing anything. Day one, show up, do a lap. Day two, show up, do a lap. Day three, show up do a lap. Day four, show up, do a lap. Day seven, show up, do seven laps. There's something about you and I just showing up that enables the hand of God to move. It's that they don't, they don't even know what the outcome's going to look like, but God's saying there is a power inside of your life. Is that you are carrying something greater than yourself and you just need to show up on a daily basis. And I'm sure with each revolution of these walls, they are coming to this conclusion after each revolution is that this, these walls, they are impenetrable. With each revolution, like this is mission impossible. 
that these guys have never, ever been defeated. They've been challenged, but they've never been defeated. And God's saying for us to execute it this certain way and the victory will be ours. There's a great power in your presence. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly may fall seven times, but they will get up again. I'm looking at a whole heap of people here this morning where life has knocked you down, but you've decided just to keep going, getting up and getting up and getting up. Would you keep on showing up? You may trip, you may stumble, you may fall, but the response of a great son or daughter is just get back up again. Don't walk in the shame of it. Don't walk in the condemnation of it. Walk in repentance. But get up again. Get up. I found that you and I, we can't be light in a dark world unless we show up. It is we can't feed the hungry and clothe the naked and lay hands on the sick and declare the good news of Jesus if we don't show up. And God is teaching his people here, would you show up day after day after day, even though it doesn't look like anything is happening? There may be some things you're finding in your life where you're saying, I, I can't handle this. And there comes a point in all of our life where we can't handle this. But God's word to us is saying, hey, don't run from it. Don't run from that today. Don't make excuses about it. Don't even avoid this situation. See, if that health report's against you, would you just show up? When everything seems stacked against you, would you just show up? When you're praying and praying and praying and it's like God is not even hearing or answering, would you keep showing up? Would you keep praying? Would you keep putting prayer requests out there? Would you keep bringing it in faith to the presence of God and see what God's, would you just show up? Don't run from it. Don't avoid it. Avoidance is not a God. Running from us not from God. Uh, avoidance will never, ever lead to deliverance. You avoid it. You're simply saying, this is mine forever. No, 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 no. Would you run to the presence and the power of God? Don't, don't avoid it. Would you stand in a place of obedience? Say, there's great power in your presence. And God says to his people, I just want you to show up. I want you to show up with a couple of things. Firstly, I want you to show up and I want you to carry the Ark of the Covenant. I want it to go before you as you do each revolution of these walls. I want your enemy to see that I am with you. I want you to carry the presence of God. We are a generation that must carry the presence of God. Not behind us, it goes before us. We have a God who goes before us in the battle. He's got our backs yet, but he goes before us. We should carry the presence of God. The greatest thing you and I can ever carry is the presence of God. He says, I want you to carry the presence. If you don't carry my presence, the world can never see who I am. If you don't carry my presence, your enemies can never ever see that I'm with you. Would you carry the presence of God with such an integrity? Would you value it? Would you put it above everything? Would you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Would you carry the presence of God with you wherever you go? There's times, there's times in my life where I've said, hey, God, I want you to come with me. I'm going to drag God. God said, no, well, I can't go there. Where you want me to go, I'm not going there. God said, Mark, would you follow me? 
I'll navigate your steps. I'll go before you. Would you and I carry the presence of God? And I don't want you to go into any battle, any fight. I don't want you to go up any opposition unless you carry the presence of God with me. And I'm sure there were ones that at each revolution of these walls, they got sick and tired of seeing their enemy day after day after day. Have you ever been in one of those seasons where all you seem to see is just that giant that comes out every morning, every night? Just that opposition, that obstacle. It says the same thing to you day after day after day. And I'm sure there was some on day three who were like, I'm sick and tired of seeing this enemy. Nothing's happening. It just seems like this is life right now as I just do what God asked me to do and nothing's happening. Day five, I've done the same thing, nothing's happening. Day six, nothing's happened. Sixth revolution on day seven, nothing's happened. I, I'm doing everything I know to do, God. And I'm tired of seeing the enemy just come and just tacking me day after day after day. And God simply saying, hey, keep doing the revolutions. Keep doing what I asked you to do. Would you keep showing up with my presence day after day? Because God's saying, hey, I'm not asking you to do these revolutions so that, you're, so that you can see your enemy. I'm asking you to do these revolutions so that your enemy can see you and can see that you are carrying the presence and the power of God and that nothing is stopping you from showing up day after day after day. Would you and I carry the presence of God? It says, I don't just want you to carry the presence of God. I want you to take the army with you. I want your enemy to see that you are battle ready that you are carrying the weapons of your warfare. And I love that God has given you and I weapons. It says this in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. I'm not fighting against you, flesh and blood. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds casting down arguments and exalting every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. God's saying this is a new generation. This is a generation that's going to carry the presence of God and know that I have equipped them with weapons in which they can defeat their enemy. This is not going out against an individual. This is going out of spirit against that individual. Where we're fighting on a different realm. I'm not tearing down humanity. No, no, I'm tearing down opposition today that's built out in heavenly, in spiritual places. It's a new generation. This is not a Numbers 13 generation that fled in fear. They didn't put their trust and their confidence in God. No, God's saying, I want a Joshua 6 generation that would carry the presence of God and that you would know how He has equipped you for the weapons of your weapon. It's not a single weapon today. He's given you and I weapons in which to fight against. And so would you and I, would we just show up carrying the presence of God and carrying the weapons that God has given us? My second thought is this. Not only is there a great power in your presence, there's also power in your silence. As Pentecostals, we want to run to verse 16. Shout! <laughs> but to get to verse 16, you've got to go through verse 10 which is to be quiet. You've got to learn the power of silence. You've also got to learn the power of a shout. But God's saying to the people, hey, before you open your mouths, I want you to have the ability to hold your tongue. 
before you shout into the world, I, I want you to be in a place where you just, a place of silence. Position yourself, position your heart there. And I, I love this. And that with each revolution, God tells his people, I want you to stay silent. But he did not instruct the Jerichonians, if that's what you want to call them, because I, he did not instruct them to remain silent as the children of God were walking around these walls. Could you imagine <laughs> the trash talking that's coming over those walls every revolution? It's like that trash talking over state of origin years ago. Us Queenslanders have stopped the trash talk now. We just feel guilty and sorry for them. Though. But, <laughs> but I, I remember, I mean, there, there, there just used to be so much trash talking going over the walls. No, no, it wasn't. It's love. It's, it's just like, I, I feel like just hugging you, Pastor Till. I just like saying, it's going to be okay. I don't know. I said, it could be the very end of state of origin. That would be a trap. Okay, let's move on. And so, <laughs> so the army of God was said, you've got to stay quiet. But the army of Jericho, they had no such instruction. And you know when someone's trash talking you day after day after day, you, you, you're coming up with every response. You just want to fire off. You just want to let it out there. You imagine having to hold your tongue for 13 revolutions straight. I can't say a word against this. They're thinking back 40 years ago. Are you going to be like your dad? You run off in fear. You. We know God promised you all this. You couldn't even trust in God. And all these accusations coming over the wall, revolution after revolution, God's saying, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. Is it? We live in a world of noise right now. And social media, it's just a world of noise. Now, I've come to say this, the most important point this morning. Would you be careful what you put back out there on social media? There is definitely some times to shout, but there's definitely some times just to remain silent. Is our silence can also say that I'm above that situation. I'm not intimidated by that situation. But there's times where God says you've got to shout and you've got to shout. You've got to know when to be silent and you've got to know when to be shouting. I found this in life now that not everything demands a response. Every comment does not need a reply. Every criticism does not need a reply. Every accusation does not need a defense. You don't have to respond to everything the enemy says about you. It's not about being in denial. It's about believing that God is with you and that God has got your back. Would you and I learn the power of when to be silent and the power of when to shout it down? My third thought is there is power in our obedience. Ouch. When God speaks to Joshua in those 20 verses, he, he is so specific to Joshua. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. This is how long I want you to do it. God's specific. And it's not about the problem about God being specific. It's about now about down to you and I as to whether we're going to stay in a place of patience and persistently being obedient to what God has said, how we're to do it, and for how long we're to execute this. And I know that God doesn't come and give us those three specifics every time he asks us to do something. 
But it comes down to you and I, are we going to patiently and persistently hold on to the Word of God, no matter what is thrown at us? If you dig a little bit deeper into this story, there is a, there's a disparity between what God actually says to Joshua and what Joshua says to the people. God says this to Joshua, for six days, I want you to get up and I want you to do a single revolution with the whole army, carrying the presence of God, trumpets blowing. I want you to do that for six days and the people are not to say a word. Great, tick. Day seven, I want you to get up, I want you to do six revolutions, exactly the same, in a place of silence. The 13th revolution, at the end of that revolution, I want you to lift up a shout and the walls of Jericho are going to come down. That's what God says to Joshua. Joshua is now standing in front of the people. So we're going up against this great might of Jericho. And this is what God wants you to do. For six days, we're going to walk around. We're going to carry the presence of God. The trumpets are going to blast. We're going to remain silent. Seventh day, we're going to get up. We're going to do six revolutions, exactly the same as that. Walk around six times, silence there. On the 13th revolution, at the end of that revolution, I'm going to ask you to lift up a shout. And there we go. The remarkable bit of information that Joshua does not give the people is at the end of that shout is the walls are going to come down. He doesn't tell them. And so I don't know why. That, that's like bad leadership. God's told you the remarkable results and events, but uh, Tim hasn't told me what they're going to be. But I think there's a great strategy in his leadership. He's saying, you know what, I want you to get up day after day after day and I want you to do what God has asked us to do, not even knowing what the outcome's going to be. That's you and I every day. It's so often we we just, if you just give me the outcome, God, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be faithful to your word if I know the outcome. But they don't know the outcome. That every day they've just got to get up. They've just got to trust that God is actually going to do something. Joshua knows when they lift up a shout, the walls are going to come down. God knows what's going to take place, but the people don't. That there is a power in our obedience of just turning up day after day after day, putting our trust and confidence in the Word of God, even though it doesn't look like God's doing everything, but He is a God who's constantly at working behind the scenes of our life, working out things for good. (laughs) Is God's doing 10,000 things behind your back, just working things out for good. Would you and I just simply walk in a place of obedience? I've got like nine minutes. This is, this is good. This is unusual for me. I'm ready to close this out. But you and I walk in a place of obedience. At the end of that 13th revolution, God says to them, I want you to shout. Uh, I think a shout went up. But if I put myself there that day, I think I would have said to Joshua, I'm not shouting. I'm not shouting. 13 days we come out here doing the same thing and now at the end of this lap, you're asking us to do something, to shout. Now, I'll shout when God does something. I'll shout when that miracle happens. I'll shout when that relationship's restored. 
I'll shout when my finances are back on track. I'll shout when my kids turn their ways. I'll give God a shout when God actually does something. And I think that can be our attitude at times. Is that I'm not standing in a place of thanksgiving. I'm not standing in a place of shouting because God has actually done nothing. And when He comes through for me, oh, then I'll respond for that. But no, God's saying, hey, would you praise me in the present based upon a promise in the future? Would you praise me today even though nothing looks like it's happening because I have promised something for your future? Would you lift up a shout today because you never know what God's going to do for you tomorrow. Would you walk in a place of thanksgiving and a heart full of gratitude wow. now, even though God may not be doing anything because he has promised something great into your future? I'm so glad that this army did not have a Mike Mulherrin attitude. Is they lift up a shout and they saw one of the greatest miracles that could ever take place is the undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champions of the world, the most fortified city in the world. In the world, These walls came crushing down. This morning, there's power in your presence. Would you just show up? There's power in your silence. Would you learn how to be silent, but also to shout? There's a power in your obedience. Would you, would you praise God on a promise? God, I don't know how we actually see things this morning. So if the music team could come, I'd just love us all to stand to our feet. As I've been preaching, I just sense, I sense there's ones here this morning where you, you are facing an obstacle, that you have an opposition in front of you. You have a giant that's coming out after you day after day after day. And God's saying, hey, the, the battle's not yours, it, it's mine. Is I'm with you, but you have to partner with me. And I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think or imagine because there's a power at work inside of you. There, there is something in our hearts that have to align with God's will. That there's action on our part, walking around walls 13 times. And God can do anything, but I found it's a response to the human heart. Even though God says, hey, the battle's not yours, it's we still have to play our part to see God win that battle. And so this morning, I would just love to open up this altar this morning. That if you're facing opposition, if you have an obstacle in front of you, if there is a giant that's coming out day after day, uh, is I know our leadership team, our prayer team's here this morning, because pray. We align our prayers with your prayers to see the great will of God come forward in your life. So you are a son and daughter of God. You have a God who is with you. This morning, I'm prophesying freedom. Freedom, 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 freedom. The chains have imprisoned you. They're going to come crashing down right now. The giant that brings accusation against you day in and day out. That habit pattern that you've tried to break, not just once or twice, but maybe hundreds of times over decades. And today in the presence of God, I'm declaring prophesying freedom. So if you're, as we sing this song, if, if you're just saying, hey, I, I just need to come. I just, I just need someone to agree with me. I'd love to just open up the altar right now. And let's see what God can do in and through our lives. Thanks, Tim. If you separate you from the great love of God, this morning I just want to ask you this question this morning is how is your relationship with God going? And maybe you're here this morning and 
you've never made a decision to follow after Jesus, this morning I want to let you know that He so loves you. He, he fashioned you. He created you. you. You're in His image. You're in His likeness. And this morning it just takes a response from a human heart to say, hey God, I, I just want to believe on you. I, I believe you came and you died. You laid down your life. You went to a cross. That death could not hold you down. You rose again on the third day in victory and in full of power. You're now seated at the right hand of the Father. Simply so that I could be free and I could be redeemed. I could have a relationship with God. Or maybe you're here today and you've been challenged by the Word. You're not walking in that place of obedience. not walking in that place where God's your number one in my life. And this morning I'd love to pray for you. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment in this place. But there is a call of God. It's that we don't find Him. He finds us. Right now the Holy Spirit's doing what the Holy Spirit needs to do. And maybe there's a work going on in your life right now where you're simply saying, hey, Mike, would you please pray for me? I, I just simply need Jesus. And I found that He is the answer to everything. He is a faithful God. And so this morning, if you're like that, saying, hey, Mike, would you please pray for me? Would you include me in this prayer of salvation? I would just love you with every bit of boldness just to shoot up your hand today just to identify who I'm praying for, who I'm believing for this morning. It's going to walk in this freshness of relationship with God, to connect with Him again. Is there anyone, as I look across this auditorium today, who is saying, hey, Mike, uh, yeah, I need Jesus. Thank you so much for that hand over here. I appreciate that. It's amazing. It's the greatest miracle of all. Is there any others this morning that would just join with her and say, yeah, I need Jesus. I just need Him this morning. Let's look one last time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your saving grace today. And Heavenly Father, over this one life today, I thank you that right now that she is declared a daughter of God. Nothing that she has done, but everything that you accomplished on the cross for us. And Father, I thank you that you've declared her holy. You've declared her righteous. That she has been sanctified this morning, Father. And God, I thank you that all things are washed away today. That she is a brand new creation by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And Father, our prayer over her life is that she'd never ever be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that she'd follow you all the days of her life. As a church community, Father, we would support her, we would disciple her, and we would love her into the greatness and the fullness you have for her. And we give you thanks in your wonderful name. And we all said, Amen and Amen. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.